Okay, Boker Tov, we're at the bottom of Moid Kot Nechafav Amid Beis. Our discussion is going to be involved with another practice of the mourners. When the, after the funeral, you come home and the community provides a meal for the mourner. So the Mishnah, this is the last part of the Mishnah that we had a while back, says vein mavrin and when you serve the mourner's meal you only do it almitos sekufos on upright beds now we mentioned that part of the mourning procedure is to flip the beds over so what does it mean that we serve the meal in the upright position so we're referring according to one shot in rashi we're going to keep it simple we're not referring to the mourner we're referring to those people who serve the meal and join the mourner in it and they eat together with him. So that people who join the mourner, they sit in a bed in the upright position and they don't join the mourner in sitting on an overturned bed. Okay, that's the simple shot. There's other pshatim, we're gonna stick with that shot. Okay, so they're coming home, they're eating the meal mourner sits on an overturned bed everyone else is on the upright bed so now we bring a price a ton of that's going to qualify the case if a person is coming to the house of a mourner at the time where the mourner's meal is being served now the question is the mission said you keep the bed upright Bryce is going to qualify that statement and it's going to say it depends a lot on how strong the relationship you have with the mourner and vice versa. So, if he feels close to the mourner, the one who's comforting and joining the meal and feels very close with him. See now, Shelly, you're sensitive to the word libo, his heart, because now there's seven interpretations for libo Okay, again, clearly it's not his heart, but uh, here, here it could be the, uh, the rut zone of the person, his thinking about the person. Anyway, if he's a relative or a close friend and therefore does not object to joining the mourner in eating the meal on an overturned bed, in other words, he feels very close and wants to share the feelings of mourning with him then when he eats that meal to get the word the mourner he also sits on an overturned bed uh, to so to speak share in his grief but that's only if you really feel very close with him Right, 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 right. Well, that's we would not be overturning the table. No, but can they eat at the right? Table? So then there's other issues. You have to remember, you can't eat at the table anyway. You have to be in a lower chair. Uh, not really. Well, it depends on how good your back is. So if your back is good, 
right? Uh, especially the first meal, especially the first meal, but really, 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 it should be the whole seven days. But uh, it's hard for people. But uh, it sh- it should be uh, all seven days. Anyway, we'll 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 worry about that later. But right now we're talking about the Sudas Havra. If love and the visitor is not close to the fellow, then Yevro Almito Sukufos, they should serve the guests on upright beds. Why? Because the visitor may feel uneasy about eating on an overturned bed like a mourner, because some would feel it's an evil omen. Okay? In other words, uh, it's like, you know, oh, I'm a mourner, maybe someone in my family will die, it's a bad sign. So if you really feel close to him, you don't care about those things, and you'll sit up, you'll eat on an overturned bed, and if not, you don't overturn the bed. That has no difference for the mourner. The mourner eats on the overturned bed. Okay, so now we have a story. Rava Isravay Milsa. Rava thing occurred with Rava. A family member died. So now Rava is sitting Shiva. He's eating the meal on a bed. Olagabe Abba Barmarsa. Then Abba Barmarsa, who was also to who Abba Barmanyumi, he's also known as Abba Barmanyumi, came to him and to provide him with the mourner's meal. And Rava Zopkik, Rava uprighted the bed for Abba Barmarsa. In other words, he wanted Abba Barmarsa to eat on an upright bed. But maybe before he came or whatever, but Abba Barmarsa Kafi, Marba Barmarsa now overturned the bed. Now, when he overturned the bed, why would he overturn the bed, Abba Barmarsa? Because he felt close with him. So Rava responds, Omar, he says, How lacking in sense is this young Talmudic scholar? Because we are not as close that he should do that. In other words, you think you're close to me. You know, you're, you're messing up. I don't really think so. Uh, so that's the simple shot. Now, it seems at first glance, glance unbefitting for an Amora like Rava to speak so derogatorily about another person, let alone a Torah scholar. And there's other expressions you find in Agmar Yavamas, where Rebbe, when he heard a statement by Levi, said, it seems to me this, this man has no brain in his skull. That's also not such a good thing. So, uh, so the Chavis Yar explains, a teacher sees that his students are lacking, are being negligent in their studies and not applying themselves properly, and as a result displayed a lack of comprehension, must be angry with them and embarrass them so as to sharpen their minds. That's the Maritzchis. Rebbe, upon who says, when he died, humility left. So Rebbe was very humble, so therefore, he didn't do it out of anger. Rather, he was chastising his students, whom he knew to be a great man, for a mistake, which could only have been as a result of inattentiveness. Presumably, Rava admonished Abba Barmarsa the same way, who was a young Talmudic scholar, but uh, didn't really understand the either the halacha or the implications of the situation. Okay, fine. So that's the halacha. Um, this really has no relevance. Uh, well, the, I guess the only relevance would, would be like this. Nowadays, we don't turn over the bed, but clearly everybody says the first meal you eat in the low position. 
So the mourner eats the meal sitting either on the floor or on a low chair. So I guess if other people are eating with him, if they feel close with him, they should also go low on the floor. And those who don't feel close with him would eat at the table. That's what seemed to be the case. So good luck trying to figure out who's close. Obviously, if it's your wife and she's not sitting Shiva, she feels close with you. Uh, family that's not mourners if they feel close with you, or a good friend who feels close with you. Yeah, so when it crosses the line outside of the family, yeah. oh, Sid's a good friend, and Steve isn't because he's sitting on a regular chair and Sid's sitting on a lower chair. <laughs> so that's why people who learn the Talmud have to uh, uh, see the Shiva house different than others. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but it's uh, it really would it really so the question is who is initiating this? It would seem that the quote unquote visitor would set the tone because remember the reason you don't want to do it you don't want to deny in horror. So if, so if you don't if you're close with the guy you don't care about the eye and horror. So it's not so much the mourner, although we see Rava kind of did, he kind of decided exactly. so. So that's the right way to go. You know, so it would depend a lot on, uh, you know, the the customs. But uh, yeah, so that's. But I think a lot of mourners aren't really aware of this halacha. There's, there's so many halachas. You know, the rabbi can only inundate the mourner with so many halachas, and uh, and then to deal with the other people and. You, it's, it just doesn't seem convenient, you know. You start asking Mourner, "Well, who are you really friends with? Who's going to come back from the felt? Who's not going to?" Uh, Mourner's like his mind is like a million other places, more than just sitting, uh, arranging the sitting format for the meal that you're coming back for. So, um, so therefore, that's why it probably uh, falls into disuse a little bit. But this would be a simple, obvious application of this. Now, another interesting situation. What if a person is traveling? Okay, he's traveling on a caravan, or let's say someone's traveling to China. Uh, and I don't do business in China, but I'm imagining guy, let's say, books a week in China, and they don't do that just to luxuriate themselves. Probably every day they're going to another factory, cutting another deal, and things like that. And it's an expensive trip. It's not a cheap trip. So let's say a guy is okay, arranged, he booked a week in China, take care of lots of business. Okay, he's in China, he gets a phone call, his father died. Okay, now, or let's talk about in the times of the Gemara, where he probably received a message within 30 days. So we said if within 30 days, then he sits a regular Shiva, right? But now, so let's say the... Uh, father died two weeks later word gets to China you know your father died so now the question is is he now have to sit Shiva for the week and now lose a lot of business because he's not going anywhere and just sitting in China okay he's not gonna be able to come back so to speak so what do we do in such a situation okay Tana Rabbanah, the rabbis taught her Brisa, ha'olech mimakom l'makom, a person's traveling from place to place on business, and then he's informed that one of his relatives dies, and therefore becomes a mourner. 
Well, for sure he's got to rip his garment. That's not a question. And he has to uh, sit some kind of shiva. But what about all the business that's being lost, whatever? So, interesting way the Allah is worded. If it's possible to him, restrict his business activity. In other words, to suspend all business activity. If he can, you might. He should suspend it because a mourner's not allowed to do any business during Shiva. Okay? But obviously, that's not so simple when you're from place to place. But you're going to the Leipzig Fair, this is your Parnassa for the year. Right? You've got all your cash, you want to buy what you can, you come back, you sell it, and the Leipzig Fair is only once a year. What are you going to do? You're going to sit Shiva in Leipzig for a week in an expensive hotel and not do any business? So if he's not able to limit it, he may continue doing business in conjunction with the others who are with him, but he can't do it by himself. In other words, the other people that are traveling with him. We already learned long ago that one who's in mourning for any relative other than a parent may engage in business to prevent the loss. Abraisa, which permits such activity only for one who was traveling on business at the time he became a mourner, must therefore refer to one who's mourning for a parent. Because other people, you can already do business even if you're not doing business for other relatives, if you're going to have a loss. Although such a mourner must ordinarily refrain from business activity even in the face of a loss, to say she's extended a special leniency to one who already set out on a trip and expended much effort to transport his goods before learning of the death of the parent. So, therefore, that he, there is a leniency for that. Okay, now, Rashi seems to learn it's referring to a merchant. And that's what all fits in over here. However, many Rishon understand to any kind of traveler. So, what's the story here? The Bryson teaches that one who learns of the death of a relative while traveling should have possible refrain from buying and selling anything unless he lacks the basic necessities to maintain himself on the trip, like food. Okay, fine. So that's that issue. Okay, that was a one-off issue. Next. Next point. Tanarabana. Let's go back to overturning the beds. May aim a slight claim and say, exactly what time do you turn over the beds? Okay. So really what it's asking is, when does the mourning period take effect? Obviously, there's people who like to be well prepared. And they, well, let's say, for example, you have to prepare the house as a shiva house. Technically, you don't have to do it until the morning starts. But a lot of people won't want to do that. You know, as you're coming home, guests are coming with you to tell them to wait till you cover the mirrors, turn, get the chairs and this and that. So some people do it in advance, to be ready in advance. So in the days of the Talmud, there wasn't much advanced stuff. So the question is, so when are you required? In other words, when you shift from being an owning and now you're becoming a mourner, now you got to do the things a mourner is supposed to do. And one of the things is flipping over the bed, right? So when the mourner says flipping over the bed, it doesn't mean only flipping over the bed, but it means all other practices of mourning. In other words, when does the mourning practice start? And it's most um, obviously shown by turning over the beds. So... We got the first opinion says, when, when the body, remember, most deceased people died at home. 
not in hospitals. <laughs> All right? There weren't hospitals in the days of the Gomorrah. You died in your house. Okay, so when does the morning start? When you take the body out of the house to be buried. Okay, that's when the morning starts. That is Divrei Rebeliezer. That's Rebeliezer. We don't paskin like Rebeliezer. Rebeliezer says, Misheistam HaGolel. When the lid of the casket is sealed, or the coffin. So therefore what? So Ramban says it means that according to Rashi, the morning period begins only when the casket is sealed for placement in the grave. Once this occurs, the morning period begins even if the coffin has not yet been removed from the house. Or if the lid is merely placed on the casket to cover it, with the intention of later opening it, the morning period does not yet begin. If a body is transported to the grave on a bed or in an open casket, and then buried without a casket, like in Eretz Yisrael, then morning period begins when the grave is closed. Okay, Rashi's view is disputed by most Rishonim, according to Reina Tam, Golel is a tombstone placed over the grave. Reina Hanel states that it's a stone placed on top of the grave to close it. It did not even be a stone. Whatever is used in that locale to close the grave sets up the morning period. And therefore, we passed in, the morning starts when the grave is filled. Okay, and then we generally, at that point, say the Kaddish. And right after the Kaddish, that is when the morning begins, at the cemetery. All right, that is the actual... So again, as we, I, I don't remember where we, I think in the SCP, so technically, the aninus, which you were in a state of, carries on through the funeral. It ends and shifts into avelus when the grave is filled. That's why you have problems with the reform, uh, well, the whole thing that they care about Allah anyway. But if you have a reform burial, they don't fill the grave. They just put three, four. They don't fill the grave at the funeral. The the the, the workers, the workers. In other words, what do they do? They have a little buck, a little sand, and everybody just puts two, three things. The yoyt say, say kaddish, they go home. Okay, I don't know, oh, but I know for sure. No, and no, and then like when everybody leaves. Then they take the bulldozer and just fill it in. Yeah, no, they just place this board on top. It looks like grass. Something like that. I've seen that. Okay, okay. I'm not that I'm not that familiar. But really, but really, you know, so really the Avelus didn't really start. But then again, they don't keep much of Avelus anyway. But I'm just saying so that's why you have to be careful at least that the that the grave that the casket is covered even if you didn't fill up the whole grave let's say the weather's terrible I've done that sometimes when you got a lot of old people the weather's terrible people are suffering and it just just till it covers and then fine then we stop and go home but uh, either way so the morning begins when the grave is filled and they turn around and that's when you make the rose and that's when we say I'm welcome now if the turf is a nice, if you're in a nice summery time, then it'll be optimal to really change your shoes right at the grave. But it doesn't always work out good. In the winter, it doesn't always work out good. It's, it's cold and you, you're gonna take off your shoes and you put your foot in the snow and you, it's just 
doesn't quite work out well. So, you know, you could wait technically until you get to the house. And that's what many do that. But if you're very particular, you would change the shoes at the cemetery, or at least when you're in the car from the cemetery to change it. Okay. We were mortified yesterday that you throw some dirty in the shoes or something. That's if you have, yeah, to make it uncomfortable. Yeah. When you still have shoes. Oh, they think of everything in South Africa. A feather duster. Because you took off your shoes right at the grave. That's what they must have done. Why did they have to give you a feather duster? Oh, for the shoes. I hear. Okay. Anyway, so that's what. So that's when really all the mourning begins when the coffin is in the grave. Now, Masishemes Ramagulazokin is a story when Ramagulio the elder died. Some say it's a mistake calling it the elder, whatever. But anyway, he died. Somebody, a Rav Gamliel died. Kivin So when he went out from the door of his house, meaning as his body was removed from the house. Now the other people said, Ormelam Rabbi Eliezer. So Rabbi Eliezer said to them, Rabbi Gamliel's family, Kafu overturn your beds. Okay? Because he felt, he felt the mourning period started right away before the actual funeral. But when the lid of the casket was sealed, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua said, Kafu go overturn your beds. So you have, that's a rule. Too many rabbis spoil the funeral. Okay? So one rabbi said, turn over the beds in the beginning. One said, later. So Amrulo, they said to them, wait a minute. Kvar kafinu al okay. We already overturned the bed from the first rabbi. Anyway, but again, as we said, we don't paskin like the first rabbi. We paskin like the second rabbi. Okay. Next point. We go elaborate on this idea. still about overturning the beds. Now comes the reverse question. You have to stop the public mourning as you come into Shabbos. So now again, the code word for mourning is overturning the beds. So stopping mourning, the code word would be uprighting the beds. So at what point on of Shabbos can you upright the beds? Because there's a time when the mourning, you have to, the last minute of mourning, the latest you could stretch it is sunset. That's the latest. But that doesn't give you a lot of time to get ready for Shabbos. So now we need to stop the morning at a certain amount of time to enable you to get ready to get into Shabbos mode, change your clothes, whatever has to be done and what can be done to to, uh, to stop the public morning for Shabbos. So they say, Mina mincha ulamala, from mincha afterwards. Okay, now what does that mean? We're talking about the Korban mincha. When was the regular mincha offering brought? Okay, so that period extends from half an hour afternoon. That's when you could begin the mincha until sunset. So, not, so it's from half an hour afternoon. That's the earliest time. This period is known as mincha gedol. Okay, the great mincha. 
The last two and a half hours before sunset are known as Mincha Ketana. So now the question is, which one are we talking about that you can start getting ready? Tosfus questions whether our price refers to Mincha Gedola, which would allow writing the beds five and a half hours before nightfall, or whether Mincha Kedana, which is two and a half hours, and the Mukha Yosef prefers the latter position, and that's how we hold. We hold Mincha Ketana. So therefore, if, it, if, if Plag HaMincha is half of Mincha Ketana, so in other words, you look at when sunset is, two and a half halachic hours before that. So let's say, we'll just guesstimate over here, candle lighting is going to be what uh, this week? About 4.45? Something like that. So sunset's about 5 o'clock. Give or take. We'll just round off number 5 o'clock. A halachic hour now is not 60 minutes. Let's just say it's 45 minutes. So now two and a half hours of that be 45 plus 45 is 90 plus another 22. That's 112 minutes. That's about an hour and 52 minutes. So at about 3.15, for example, approximately, would be Mincha Ketana. So at 3.15, you could start getting ready. That's the idea. And if in the summertime, when you bring in Shabbos earlier, that would be the same idea. So that gives you enough time to make the switches that are necessary. All right. Now, that's when you switch the beds. However, Amar Barhuna interjects and says, Aval became even so that you've righted the bed, but that's a comfortable position. And still, ain't a Yosheva, but you can't sit on the bed in a comfortable way until it becomes dark and Shabbos actually begins because the morning requirement still goes till Shabbos. In other words, the question is, you can't do everything a minute before Shabbos. You can't overturn the beds and everything else that has to be done for Shabbos. You got to give yourself some time. Okay, so you can overturn the bed, but don't sit on the overturned bed because you're still a mourner. In other words, the morning doesn't actually stop until Shabbos starts. The preparations to undo the morning can start a little bit before. Because you can't wait till sunset to do everything that you're supposed to do. That's the point we're saying over here. So, But still, the entire Friday, you're subject to the morning. Now, obviously, if in the summertime you bring in Shabbos early, then the morning stops whenever you bring in Shabbos early. Now, now we flip it. What about Matzi Shabbos? Now you got to go back into morning mode. Ula Matzi Shabbos. Okay, so what about Matzi Shabbos? The bed is still uprighted, right? You can't do anything on Shabbos to write it because that will be preparing for after Shabbos. So uh, now it's right away Matzi Shabbos. Let's say the last day of Shiva is going to be Sunday. So now you come, what a hassle. I, I flipped both, I turned over my bed to start the shiva. I righted it on Shabbos. And now it's only one more day. Can I get away with not having to overturn the bed again for only one day? So he's saying, no, even though it's only one day left, you got to turn it over because it still applies. And really, it's not even that long. It's only till the next morning. It's only till Sunday morning, a little bit, right? 
We're going to say mitzvah seyom kakula. Still, you got to go through that whole process overturning the beds, even though he's going to write it, um, you know, as we as as we um, begin that next part of the day. Okay, interesting. What's going on over there? Okay, so therefore you have to. Therefore, uh, for us, the regular mourner. So when he is uh, comes home, he did not make havdalah yet. You're still in your Shabbos clothes. Okay. Then when the havdalah is over, then he switches clothes and does everything that has to be done as well. So let's say uh, before Shabbos, you would take off the covers over the mirrors. You take them away. So then on Matzah Shabbos, you have to put them all back. So it would seem even though, let's say you're getting up on Sunday morning, okay, so you'd have to do all those things to make that uh, work for you. Okay, now, how many beds do you switch over? Taner the price is like this, HaKleifa mitaso, the one who's obligated to overturn his bed, lo mitaso bilvadu kofa, he doesn't only overturn his bed, he turns over all the beds used for sitting or sleeping. Why? So the Rivet explains this ruling applies only to beds that are used by the wife and children of the mortar. Because remember, we said some opinions, though we don't hold like it, since they are required to join his mourning. According to certain opinions, we don't hold like them, that the close family mourns too, so their beds have to be overturned. Beds reserved for guests, however, need not be overturned. And therefore, uh, then there's a whole issue. But nowadays, again, uh, your, your family members do not observe any mourning. So this part is not according to Allah. Even though you have 10 beds in 10 different places, you turn them all over because even though they're different parts of the house, but they're going to be used, you have to do that. Let's say even if there were five brothers and one died, they must all overturn their beds in their respective homes. So there you see the Shiva extends beyond the quote-unquote Shiva house. So even if you're not, let's say you, you come together to sit in one house and you're going to go home and sleep. So when you go home and sleep, the mirrors in your house where you're sleeping after you covered as well. Not only in the Shiva house. That's what this is saying. That's the point. Now, what if you had a bed that wasn't really for sleeping? But what if the bed was designated for holding utensils and not for sleeping? In that case, you don't have to overturn it because it's not really serving as a bed. It's serving as a chest. And that's a good place to end because the next point is going to be a big discussion where we have these words dargosh, ain't sarchlichbos. You don't have to overturn something called a dargosh. And the Gemara is going to now get into a discussion what is a dargosh, and that's a long explanation. So this is a good place to stop. All right, yashrkoya.